0: who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Let's just pray again for a moment. Father, we pray that we would hear the voice of the Spirit from your word of truth. Amen. Sometimes when you go to a clinic uh, for a physical examination, sometimes the doctor will ask you to stick out your tongue, right? Because apparently by what they see on the surface of your tongue, they get some idea of what might be going on in the rest of you, right? Well, we, we've been studying through the New Testament book of James, and in today's passage, James is essentially he's asking us to stick out our tongues. All right, He's asking us, what I mean is he's asking us to think about the words that we speak, to give some thought to our patterns of speech. And, and the reason for this would be his premise is that what you find on your tongue will show you what's going on in your heart, the, the words that you, you are normally speaking give you an indication of, of what's really going on inside you. So let's look at this passage. I, want to, I just have three thoughts that I want to share with you that concern our speech, three thoughts about our, our words. My thoughts are these, first, our words are mighty, right, our words are mighty, second, our words are tricky, and then third, our words can be healed, okay? So first, our, our words are mighty, and here's what I mean. Guys, human speech is powerful. Human speech is amazingly powerful. James says in verse 5, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. And, and what he means is we we might dismiss um, speech as being very insignificant. It's just words. You're all talk. It's just sound waves, right? We, we might dismiss speech as being unimportant. James says, in reality, um, the words we speak have power to change the world. In, in a certain way, the words that, that we speak can change um, people's lives, can change situations around us, can, can transform communities in either really really good ways or in really bad ways so he James uses a couple of uh, metaphors here to point out how our words can be used for good he compares the tongue to a bit in a horse's mouth and to a rudder uh, that uh, that steers a ship now horses as you know are really big powerful animals to be honest with you I always get nervous when I'm around horses. They kind of scare me. I, I didn't grow up in the country. They, they make me nervous. They're so big. They're so strong. They're, 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 they're mighty animals, right? And if a horse runs wild, bad things are going to happen. It could hurt you. It could hurt someone else. might hurt himself. Um, it, so a horse, because of its power, is kind of a little bit of danger there. Same way with a ship in the middle of the ocean. It's in, it's in danger, right? There are these powerful um, natural forces, winds and waves and currents that could easily sink that ship and everyone on it. So they're both, because of the, the strength associated with them, there's this, this uh, danger. But the bit in the horse's mouth, uh, it does what? It brings all of that animal's strength and power under control, and it channels it in a, in a constructive way. In the same way, the little rudder at the, at the back of the ship, you know, it, it steers it through all the storms and the waves and, and it takes it to its haven. So the, the, both these metaphors are saying, listen, the horse's bit and the ship's rudder, they're very small. You might dismiss them as unimportant, but they have amazing power for accomplishing really, really good things. They control the strength of the horse. They steer the path of the ship. And so James is saying, listen, in the very same way, your speech, the words you say just got kind of to come out of your, your mouth. They might seem so insignificant, but your, listen, our words have amazing power to do good in this world. Proverbs 12 verse 18 says, the tongue of the wise brings healing. I wonder if you've, any of you, God has ever used your words to bring healing to someone else. Maybe somebody's just deeply scarred or broken or devastated by something that's happened. And, and uh, you know, just the right words spoken in just the right way at just the right time. Just bring healing, restoration. Have, have you ever seen that happen? Proverbs 12, verse 25 says, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up whatever that's ever happened to you you've been really really discouraged really depressed you're ready I mean you're ready to give up and and someone just speaks some words of kindness speak some words of hope perspective and you just have you ever experienced that just because of their words they haven't done anything for you just their words you feel weight lifting from you so the bible tells us our words have can have incredible power to accomplish good. And in the same way, our, our words can have power for evil. They can have destructive power. In the verse five, James says, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark, right? So all it takes is one careless tourist driving through a national park and he flicks his cigarette butt out the window of the car. And you know, next thing you know, thousands and thousands of acres of, of virgin woodland have, have been consumed. They're just, they're gone, Right? James is saying, listen, in the same way, all it takes is just. All it just takes is a careless word of criticism to your child. And she's scarred for years to come. All it takes is just a, a few careless words of gossip in in, you know, in the fellowship room at, at a church. Just a few words. A whole community destroyed. Just burned up acres and acres just gone. So James is saying, listen, our words they have power for good. They can they can transform people and, and they have power to destroy. I wonder James seems to have been very familiar with the Old Testament. I wonder if he was thinking of of any um any examples of this from the Hebrew scripture. One that comes from my to mind for me Um, In the book of Numbers, the Israelites had been rescued from their slavery in Egypt. God rescued them from Pharaoh, brought them through the Red Sea, brought them right up to the border of the land he had promised he would give them. And they sent, you know this story? They sent just 12 people, 12 men, to go into the land to spy on it and see what it was like. These 12 men came back with their report, and all of them said, this land is better than anything we ever imagined. It is amazing. It's fantastic. But 10 of those guys just started to grumble, just started to speak some words of doubt, some words of unbelief, like, I don't think we can ever go in there. The people are really big. Some of them are so strong. There's no way we could take that land. Just words of, ever spoken words of grumbling and doubt. Um, Those kinds of words are contagious. They just like like the flu. They go from one person to the next, and the next thing you know, if you've read that story, this this doubt and this grumbling, it just spread through the entire Israelite nation, and they were not able to have the faith to go into the Promised Land. And so, the the long story short, what happened was that entire generation never got to go in to see the Great Land. Never did. For 40 years, they wandered in the the wilderness. Their children got to go in, and it just amazes me. It was just a handful of people speaking a few casual words. An entire generation of God's people failed to receive the blessing God had planned for them just because of words. So words have power for good, for evil. Um, Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. So I just want you to think about that. Isn't it amazing to think about how much power Everyone in this room has. We, you, you can absolutely transform somebody's life this week. Or just maybe their day. Let's not overstate it. You could change somebody's day. You could change somebody's week. Uh, just with your words. You could, you could absolutely destroy someone, right? Or this week, think about this. You, might, you may not even know. Some guy you're buying a newspaper from, you don't even know. Just a few words from you could... Just transform somebody's entire perspective. Build faith. Inspire hope. You have power. So do I. Just with just our words. Now, I bet every one of us here is saying, I want to use my words for good. I don't want to destroy people. I want to use my words to build people up. Are you saying that? I bet you are. Listen, and and here's the problem this is my second point our words are tricky. They are mighty, but they are tricky. And what I mean is, it is, isn't it so hard to keep from using our words the wrong way? I mean, it's so hard to use, only use our words always in positive, constructive ways. In, in fact, here's what James says, verse 7 and 8. He says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. No one can get in control of this. He says the tongue is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. In fact, in verse 2, he says, um, he says Any, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. And none of us are perfect. right? He's saying, like, none of us, none of us can always say the right thing. Um, and I don't just mean you, you blurt out something comes out the wrong way. I mean, every one of us, every one of us uses our words in ways that just devastate people and dishonor God. To be frank, we use our words to sin. If, if, you, read, if you read through the entire book of uh, James in one sitting, you'll be, you'll be struck by how much he talks about our speech. It's a common theme. He, he keeps talking about ways that we might really sin with our words. For example... In chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, he talks about the danger of speaking angry words. Remember, he said, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever lost your temper, lost your cool, and just lashed out with some words that hurt people? you might say you're sorry, but the hurt is still there. Have you ever lost your temper and spoken angry words? I think most of us, can I say all of us, have done that. Chapter 2, he talks about uh, the folly of, of speaking empty words. He says, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs. He says, what good is it? And I wonder, have you ever just... I've done this so many times. Have you ever spoken empty words? Like, oh, I'll be praying for you. God bless you. I hope you're feeling better. You don't really care. It's just, it's just flowery, empty words that don't do any good at all. Jim says, what good is that? You're discouraging people by doing that. I've done that. Have you? It, so he talks about angry words. He talks about empty words. He talks about... He talks about the destructive power of slanderous words, talking about people when they are not present. Chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, he says, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who's able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? He's saying, listen, when, you're, when you gossip about somebody, you're acting like the judge, like you're better than them. Who are you to do that? Don't, he says, don't gossip. Don't grumble about people. Chapter 5, verse 9. He says, listen, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. So again, a question for us. I know the answer. Have you ever grumbled about somebody? Just said some offhanded negative things. Oh, I don't like the way she does that. I don't like the way he did that. Just grumbling about others. James says, listen, that invites the judgment of God. It is so destructive. So he talks about Angry words, empty words, slanderous words. And he also he, he talks about um, the sinfulness of deceitful words. Chapter 5, verse 12, he says, "Let your Have you ever heard this before? He says, let your yes be yes, and your no be no. He said, just, in other words, say what you mean, mean what you say. Don't shade things, don't spin things. Don't, you know, you, you don't have to tell a bald-faced lie. To be deceptive. You can just kind of exaggerate. Or you can leave out a few important details to make yourself look better. Or you, can, or, or you can flatter people. You ever flatter people? You know, you say things, you don't really mean it. Oh, you look great in that shirt. You, you just want them to like you, right? Um, James would say that's deceit. That's lying. So I don't want to depress you, but you see what I'm talking about? Our words are tricky, we lose our temper, we, we, we shout out something, we, we say something that's not true, we just flatter people, say empty words, we grumble about people. You understand, you understand why James says anyone who's not at fault in what they say is perfect. Why? Because we all mess up at this, and you might be you might be thinking, well, if this is a common problem, it's not a serious one. No, you're wrong. It's a serious one. And in fact, in chapter one, James said this, chapter one, verse twenty-six, if anyone does not keep a tight rein on their tongue, their religion is useless. So our words are mighty, and they are tricky. Here's the good news, okay? Our words can be healed. That's my third point. Our our words can be healed, um, meaning that through the the gracious work of God that, that the Spirit does in our life through Jesus, the way that we speak can really, really be transformed and changed. God can, can radically change the way we talk to our family, the way we talk to each other, the way we talk to strangers, in a way that is pleasing to him. Now, you might be saying, well, all right, how, do, how does this happen? The way to heal your speech, all right, is not just to bite your tongue, hold it in, Choose your words very carefully. I mean, listen, there's times to do that, okay? I'm not saying, there are times to bite your tongue. If you lose your temper at your kid and you want to scream out something, that's going to lead to years and years of therapy in the future for her. You know, listen, bite your tongue, right? There's times for that. But that's just a Band-Aid on the surface of the problem. That doesn't heal the real, the real problem with our speech is so much deeper than that. Jesus said in Luke 6, 45, he said a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. He said, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. He says out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's, in other words, um, what's inside you, eventually that's what comes out. So if If our unwholesome patterns of speech are ever going to be healed by God, Listen, the real problem is not just our tongue, right? The real problem is deep down in here. And James talks about that. Verse 11 and 12, he says, he's he's talking about the source of our speech. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. In other words, he's saying, listen, if we really want God to heal the way we talk, he's got to heal our heart. And why? He says because a salt spring can't produce fresh water, right? Because um, what's listen? He would say this: what's on the what's really on the inside? Eventually, is going to come out. Um, Years ago, in the church that I used to pastor in in uh, New Jersey before we started ACC, there was a an elderly woman in the congregation, senior citizen, and um, she was a very devout church member. She loved going to church. She loved reading the Bible. She loved singing the hymns. Um, Very very committed Christian. And she developed Alzheimer's, which if any of you have ever witnessed that, it's a cruel, cruel disease. And she began to just lose. She lost uh, everything. She lost her mental faculties. She lost her memories of the past. She lost her ability to to recognize people. She had to be put in a nursing home. And finally, she um, completely lost whatever is this mental filter that we all have that helps us not to blurt out everything we're thinking, all right, we all have that. Some of you maybe have less than others, I don't know, but we all have some kind of filter that, that we, it helps us, like don't say that, you know, hold that in, don't let them know what you're thinking. That, that was gone for her, for Elizabeth. Elizabeth Rizzuto was her name, just gone. And so I would go visit, um, I'd go visit her in the nursing home And you know what would come out of the mouth of this sweet little old church lady? Nothing but pure, unbridled praise for God. I mean, she couldn't. She just couldn't stop praising God everything she would talk about just and it was so cute because she had almost it was like a little girl this girlish giggle She just talking about the goodness of god non-stop um i'd go see her elizabeth how's how's the food here you like the food she said the food is delicious it's wonderful isn't god so good to give me this great food elizabeth how are the people here are they nice the people here are wonderful isn't god faithful isn't he good to keep his promises she just kept praising god that's all that would come out um I'm visiting her, this, and a woman that worked in, in the nursing home walked by, and, and Elizabeth pointed her, she goes, you see her? Isn't she lovely? She's a pastor's daughter, right? And, and then I thought, wow, pastor's daughter. But then every woman that would walk by, she's a pastor's daughter. Isn't she, everyone was a pastor's daughter. She just couldn't stop. It was amazing, I'm telling you. Elizabeth Rizzuto couldn't stop praising God. How did, how did that happen to her? Well, God healed her words by healing her heart. How did God do that? There are two, two terms in, in the New Testament that, they're, they're kind of technical, theological terms, but they're worth knowing, all right? They're worth learning. And the two terms are these, justification and sanctification. All right? So justification is something that God does, boom, like that in an instant. The moment you come to faith in Christ, you repent of your sins, you trust in Him, you receive Him as your Savior, in that second, God justifies you, which means God declares that in His eyes, from that moment on, for the rest of the eternity, you are forgiven of all your sins. And you're not, not just forgiven, God says, you're righteous, he says, I look at you, I see all the beauty and purity of Jesus, and I'll never see anything but that for the rest of eternity. That's, that's justified. Now, when Elizabeth Rizzuto, she was a middle-aged single mom when she came to faith in Christ, and when that happened, God just looked at her and said, she had been living for decades, like just a godless life. And God said, you're beautiful in my eyes, you are forgiven, all because of what Jesus did on the cross. That's justification. If you've ever trusted in Christ... God has said that about you. He will never stop saying that about you. He just says, you're righteous, you are righteous, you are beautiful, all because of Jesus. So that's justification. There's another beautiful facet of our salvation. That's our sanctification. And, that, and sanctification is this long, lifelong process that God, in his grace, does in your life after declaring you to be righteous, he now begins to make you righteous. the Holy Spirit starts to work inside you to transform you to change you now here 's what we should know God doesn 't need your help with justification like he does, it, he does it all on his own, but he invites your help with sanctification. you cooperate with the Holy Spirit for him to do this in you 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 actively repent of your sin. You actively believe the gospel. You, you actively seek the Lord in his word and at his table and in church. And, and, and as you, listen, as you do this, it doesn't happen overnight. Little by little, God really changes you on the inside. He really does. Here's, here's my fear. A fear I have for myself and kind of for our generation of Christians. I think that sometimes we settle when talking about sanctification, the work of the Spirit, we settle for so much less than God wants to give us. Guys, he really, what's the, the fruit of the Spirit? Here's, here's what God, the kind of people God wants to make us. Here's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faith, self-control. Isn't that the kind of person, that's, The kind of man, the kind of woman you've always dreamt of being, God is saying, that's what I want to make you. And as we let the Holy Spirit work within us, we daily repent, we daily believe the gospel, we seek the Lord in the ways that he's provided for us to find him. Listen, can you imagine what he can do in your heart so that God forbid someday we're in a nursing home blurting out every little thought that comes into our mind? It's all giving glory to Jesus. Wouldn't that be fantastic? See, Jesus, in, in John chapter 8, he talked about that if you sin, you're a slave to sin. That's not good news, right? But he said this in John 8, 36. He said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Guys, God has set us free from our sin, so the Spirit can change us. Let's, let's not settle for less. Amen? Let's let's let him do that in us. And our words will be healed. Let's pray together. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the light of your grace. May it transform us. Amen.